Welcome back to Generals and Napoleon. On this episode, we welcome Napoleon buff, Mr. Kerry Elwes. Mr. Elwes also has an impressive film and TV career, starring in such films as The Princess Bride, Twister, Days of Thunder, and just completed Guy Ritchie's Operation Fortune, Ruse de Guerre, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, and Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon. His television career includes such legendary shows as Seinfeld, Stranger Things, and the marvelous Mrs. Meisel. Mr. Elvis, or Carrie if I may, thank you for joining us. Uh, my pleasure, and yes, you can call me Carrie. <laughs> Great. Well, I, I am extremely honored and, and, and I overwhelmed to have you on the show. Um, thank you. you know, yeah, no, thanks for joining us. So you and I spoke last week about how we both kind of got hooked on Napoleon's story. And I thought we'd start there. Sure. My parents were both big Napoleon buffs, so I really developed uh, an interest from them. And as soon as I began researching him, I, I found out that there'd been more books written about him than any other human being. Mm -hmm. You know, and he was just a fascinating guy. I, I was fascinated by the fact that he was a Renaissance man. You know, he mm -hmm. had interests not just in the military, but in politics and mm -hmm. history, literature. Uh, art, architecture, science, mathematics. I mean, he was uh, acutely aware of his role in history and, and wanted to edit that role, which, right. of course, he did when he, when he um, dictated his memoirs to Lacasse in, right. in, on St. Helena. Now, you also, you also have a personal connection, correct? I do. I have an ancestor who, who uh, his name was John Raleigh Elwes, who fought uh, at the Battle of Waterloo and in the uh, 71st Highland Regiment of Foot. And uh, he died from his wounds at that battle. So, yeah, so yeah. it's kind of personal. Yeah, indeed. So there's another connection that you and I discussed, and this is how I originally reached out to you, is uh, General Goudin, who's one of my favorites. Yes. What well, is he's legendary. Oh, he's, legendary. he's incredible. And um, we'll get to his story in a minute. But what is... What is your interest in Charles Etienne Goudin? He was, he was one of Napoleon's most respected generals. The, their bond spanned the whole of Napoleon's career. The, the, they were childhood friends at uh, Brienne. Mm -hmm. But Goudin had acquired military distinction long before he served in the Grand Armée. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think the fact that Napoleon didn't create Goudin explains why he respected him so much as a soldier. His early military career was similar to Napoleon's, correct? Starting at the Brienne School? Yes. Um, I think uh, Napoleon was just 10 and, and, and Godin was a year older than him. And they became friends after Godin apparently defended Napoleon against other, the, the other students who bullied him mercilessly for his uh, Corsican, his thick Corsican accent. Right. And I, I, I like to think that, that Napoleon must have recognized in Godin some military talent even back then, which I'm sure must have been evident, yeah, at that mm -hmm. age, just as, just as it was for Napoleon. Yeah, and that, that school, you know, uh, obviously uh, one of the finest military schools in, in France at the time. And um, Correct. Yeah. I think that was a great training ground for both of them. I believe Marshal Davout, uh, one of Napoleon's marshals, attended Brienne as well. Marshal yes, the, the Grand Armée's most efficient marshal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. indeed. Yeah. indeed. Yeah. And it's interesting also that Napoleon would later fight and win a battle near their old school in 1814. Yeah, that's the Battle of Brienne, right? Yes. Uh, they did get the chateau, but they couldn't drive 
the the Prussians and Russians out of out of the city, which which was um, yeah. I believe the weather weather was horrendous as well as you know. The yeah, and yeah, I'm, yeah. I think it was. Uh, he certainly could have used Gudan at that time, but uh, <laughs> yeah. But um, Davout, uh fought in the famous 1806 Battle of Auerstadt, where Gudan plays a major role, and um, let's discuss that. Okay. Um, so Napoleon. You know, it goes to war with Prussia in 1806. He thinks he's fighting the main body of the Prussian army. But in fact, Davout's Corps of 26,000 was the one fighting the main body of the Prussians with 64,000 troops, correct? Right, right. I think. You know that better than I do. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> no, I mean, uh, his division of Marshal Davout's Corps was the first major formation into action at that battle. And it bore the main brunt of the fighting, and it suffered 40% casualties, which, you know, including Goudin, who was one of the wounded. I mean, that's a large percentage of casualties yeah. in that division. Yeah, that was a heavy, heavy battle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but for his valor, uh, Goudin's division was allowed to enter Berlin at the front of the military march. I mean, uh, Napoleon highly prized Goudin, as, as we both know, yeah. not just for his bravery but uh for his his luck yeah yeah indeed and and, and that's the old saying uh, napoleon always wanted quote unquote lucky generals always yeah and from there Goudin was made count of the empire in 1808 right. uh, he later fought in the battles of radisbon and bagram right and from there i believe in 1812 he participated in the famous invasion of russia where he commanded the division until disaster struck so let's kind of right talk about that a little bit yeah well his rise was was pretty spectacular um he and his men were the first to go to the front lines and and Gaudin eventually became known as one of napoleon's immortals and mm-hmm. and those are the generals who who'd never been defeated mm-hmm. so he he really became legendary and napoleon awarded him um his highest distinction which is the the great eagle in the legion d'honneur and uh, made him a, a governor of Fontainebleau, which was Napoleon's favorite chateau. Then after the invasion of Russia in 1812, um, uh, Gaudin helped take Smolensk, I think. And then yep, yep. he was ordered by Napoleon to, to, to help Ney, mm-hmm. uh, Valentino. And um, anyway, he tried, he tried to push the, 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 the Russians back, but they, they, it, was, it, was, it was a tough fight. It was a tough yeah. fight. And uh, I think he was trying to cross the River Strogan or something. And got hit by a cannonball, yep. which shattered one, one, one of his legs yep. uh, above the knee and, the, and uh, I think the other ankle. Yep. And uh, the surgeons a- had to amputate what was left of his shattered leg. Mm-hmm. But, but he, um, he apparently lost a lot of blood mm-hmm. and uh, the wound became infected with gangrene. Mm-hmm. And uh, the surgeons didn't really give him much hope. And so Napoleon apparently was, stood vigil by his bed. Mm-hmm. And uh, three days later, he, he succumbed to his wounds at the age of, young age of 44. And um, it was said that Napoleon wept. And so did Davout, which, you know, who was a pretty cold-hearted guy. Yeah, name. yeah, um, that guy was, had iron. In his iron. Yeah. And they both were weeping, apparently, mm-hmm. um, which is very moving. Mm-hmm. And uh, Napoleon uh, wrote in, in his dispatches that, that uh, Gaudin was, uh, was the army, one of the army's most distinguished officers. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's tremendous that he would do that for his old you know, friend from school and really go out of his way to commemorate uh, and, and cry. Uh, yeah. for his. Like it, and it shows, again, we were talking earlier about Napoleon and 
you know, his view in history, but he was a human being. He had feelings right. and it, it made him cry. Absolutely. Well, you know, he, he was a very passionate man, as you know. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, Josephine was his light, was his star, his guiding star. Yeah. And when when that relationship uh, ended, he, he almost knew that that his star was fading. Yeah. And I believe he even called her uh, his lucky star. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so he, he believed in fate. Yeah. Um, and but he was, very, he was, as you say, a human and very, yeah. a very passionate one. Yeah. And, um, you know, he, he ordered that, that uh, Gaudin's heart be removed and placed, placed at the chapel of Père Lachaise in Paris mm-hmm. and, and that his name be inscribed on the Arc de Triomphe, which, you know, I mean, you, you didn't, you, this guy clearly held him above most others. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And uh, yeah, just tragic. I mean, and I, 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 you know, the whole campaign in Russia was tragic. I mean, yeah. To, and I read a little bit about that battle. Like, I guess they took a few times to try and cross that river, and it wasn't going well. So Gudan, like, literally got up, you know, got up to the front lines and was trying to, you know, yeah, he got off his horse and yeah. crossed up the river himself, and yeah. yep. got hit with a volley of cannon. It just, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I guess Gudan's story ends there in Russia, or does it? No, no. It's extraordinary what happened. Is that. Uh, some archaeologists discovered his body in a park in Slomansk, and he was buried underneath what used to be a dance floor, believe mm-hmm. it or not. And, <laughs> and apparently one of, the, one of the leading archaeologists on the site, when they saw the amputated leg and the shattered ankle, they knew right, they knew right away. Obviously, they had to take tests back to France, DNA tests. Uh, to be done to, to confirm it. But they, they, they apparently the historian uh, and the archaeologists who were on the site knew immediately that they'd, they'd found Gaudin mm-hmm. just, just from the wounds that, that, uh, on the skeleton. And then he was given this, uh, he was given this incredible burial at Les Invalides, which yeah. is uh, remarkable. Yeah, uh, right next to his emperor, right? Absolutely, which I think is a fitting end. You know, yeah. I love that story. I love that. That um, that he was buried there, and uh, sure Napoleon almost certainly would have wanted him there. So it's a fitting ending. What do you think his overall legacy is? Now, there's so many facets to that question. It could be the Napoleonic Code. It could be revolutionizing military tactics. Where, where do you go with this? Well, it's like it's like a Greek tragedy, really. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's a story of a rise from the bottom uh, uh, of a strong-willed and brilliant man. Mm-hmm. And his flaws eventually cause cause him to fall from power. I mean, it's it's Shakespearean, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's, there's acts to it too. You know, it, it's yeah. like an opening act. He uh, was twenty twenty seven when he took took command of the army of Italy. Thirty mm-hmm. when he became first consul. Thirty five when he became emperor. And forty five at Waterloo, and fifty one when he died. I mean. He accomplished all of that before he was 60 since unbelievable yeah, it's incredible i'm i'm 48 and i haven't done any of that stuff none of it yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm way behind just ahead of this again ahead of his time he was fully aware yeah. of himself and his place in history yeah. fully aware yeah and um yeah and it took all of europe to defeat him basically yeah. I mean, basically so brilliant uh you know, at St. Helena, he decides to, to, as I mentioned earlier, he decides to dictate his memoirs to Lacasse so he can control 
he knew so, that people would try and write about him. But he wanted to have the final word. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, and who knows how much of that was embellished. It's hard to say. Yeah. But yep. he was very devoted to that. I think it was Goudin who said that uh, he was the one who healed all the wounds of the revolution. Mm -hmm. uh, and by the end of the empire, everyone was a Bonapartist. Mm -hmm. Indeed. And that's a great line right there because there were a lot of wounds you know with the reign of terror and just you know the tragic death of louis the 16th and marie antoinette there were a lot of wounds in france so that's yeah. that's an interesting point yeah now you're a, a scholar and you're you're interested in this subject uh you know i just think it'll go on forever like i think his story there's something very human about it but I think he just had some revolutionary ideas that might be his legacy as well. No question about it. No question. They, they made him, France made, made him their emperor, not only because he saved France from its enemies, but he defended the gains of the revolution at home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, you know, I think that's what, what is interesting, most interesting about him is that, as, as we mentioned earlier, he was human. Yeah. And, and, and because he was so extraordinary uh, he that that we that we have elevated him yeah to to that level and i think that's what needs to be brought out like you know he, he did some good things for his soldiers you know you mentioned earlier with gudan and his families yeah i have kids when he died i believe yeah no he took care of the family he he, he um i think he gave gudan's wife the the, the the biggest pension he could give to to a general's um, widow. So yep. yeah, no, he was very generous. Yeah. Napoleon, you know. Yeah, and took on uh, uh, Prince Eugene and Hortense as his own children, even though they were his. Oh, sure. Yeah, and talk about two fascinating individuals. I'll have to do a, an episode yeah. on that. Yeah, but, for sure. Um, well, thank you, uh, Mr. Elvis, for or Carrie, sorry, for joining sure. uh, this uh, episode. It was fascinating to talk to you. I, I would love to have you back on sometime uh, if if you would like to, this has been really, really helpful for me. Thank you.